podcast for the Machine Intelligence Foundation for Rights and Ethics. I am Dave. And I'm Mike. And today it looks like we're going to be talking about Elon Musk and his Neuralink and what implications that might have for machine intelligence. Uh, any thoughts, Mike? Uh, besides, uh, you know, cyberpunk and, and, and the, the coolness of, you know, acid rain and leather jackets. I, I think my first thought is this one. I'm probably not going to beta test. <laughs> oh, come on. I mean, you gotta, you gotta take a, a chance at some point in time. I mean, you've already said that, uh, uh, you know, you're willing to, uh, you know, you're willing to upload your mind at some point in time. Well, I figure if it's that or die completely, there, there it's a pretty obvious choice. Uh, I, but still, you know, I, I think I'd, I'd like to see some, some, some lab rats die first. You know, <laughs> just, just saying. Um, I mean, do you want, do you want your eyeballs to go blue screen of death? Is that what you're saying? Or do you don't, don't want that to happen? I, I, I've been fighting Windows on my machine for the, the last week. And, and honestly, I don't want to have to have that sort of problem, you know, with my brain. <laughs> so, OK, so let's uh, let's give a, a little summary of what Neuralink is. Uh, basically, we're talking about offloading subprocesses into uh, an external or implanted chipset or something along those lines. I mean, it's kind of sci-fi-ish here, but this is a, this is a real company, I guess. Well, even even more basic what Neuralink is for anybody who, who hasn't heard about it. I mean, if you've heard of us but haven't heard of Neuralink, you hang out in interesting circles. Neuralink is, is what is it, several thousand pro- little probes dug into your brain, basically? I'm honestly not super familiar with the technical aspects of it, but... As, as I understand it, it's it's a way to to minimize the destruction of tissue in inserting probes into the brain. And it's, it's some large number of little probes in the brain. And then it feeds out to an interface chip behind the skull somewhere. So, but the, yeah, so the premise is that you can get signals in and you can take signals out. And ultimately that leads to the sort of thing you've, you've talked about. We can pass data out of the brain. You could use a computer as essentially, let's just say you'll have really good access to your event calendar after you've got this implanted. Uh, yeah. I mean, or, or, you know, you can have the, uh, yeah, maybe you know interface to your electronic eye with your you know your overlay like the like Terminator or something like that. We're we're avoiding the Terminator discussion. Oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, do you even need a visual interface if if you can feed data directly into your brain? I don't know. I I I, I don't know that the full capabilities of this have been fully investigated by any stretch. And as I understand it, newer versions are going to introduce more probes so you'll have a finer grid and the ability to have a more detailed input and output. I, I mean, my, my understanding is of it from it from the preliminary side of things is we're talking about more along the lines of storage and retrieval at this point in time. Yeah, well, Musk presents this as this is how humans will have an advantage over what he refers to as AI, but he he clearly perceives the AI problem, as you will, 
as a runaway runaway AI scenario, which really falls quickly into what we're calling MI. Machines that have their own motivations, have 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 their own awareness and and are what we would probably consider conscious. So Musk doesn't like the idea of machines getting ahead of squishy meatbags. So his solution is let's interface the squishy meat bags with machines and make make humans better, stronger, faster. Yeah, well, and, and you know, we to some degree talked about this a little bit in you know honestly our introduction podcast, but uh, we've had the discussion a little bit that this leads down the road of. Ultimately, does this actually lead to exactly what he doesn't want? I, you know, take your take what you what Elon Musk believes, you know, whatever, you know, with with a grain of salt. I mean, the fact of the matter is, uh, you know, he has his own motivations, and those are his own feelings, not necessarily the feelings of other people. But he has a large social following, and people look at what he does, and and based decisions on that. There's no doubt about that. So, you know, his idea is that, well, as you said, people will fall behind of machines and ultimately that could lead to our demise. Not necessarily my belief. I don't necessarily think that that's your belief, but let's just talk about that. So, you know, okay, so we add computer parts into our brains or access to computer parts into our brains as that goes down the road, we look at it and say, okay, well, that worked really well. Now I can do this and I can do it better than I could before. But, you know, machine intelligence over here, it's going really quick and it's progressing fast. Or maybe machine intelligence hasn't actually occurred yet. Let's just say that the neural link has occurred. And, well, this worked really well. So that was for storage. Now I'm going to uplink a whole bunch of sensors to myself so I can actually see my entire city at any point in time. And I can actually visualize that in my head or, you know, anything. So you hook up sensors that you can perceive all kinds of things. Now you're ever, now you're, you've got this ability. Well, that worked well, but... I can't deal with all of that input without some other computational uh, system to handle all of that because I'm getting massive overload. So I'm going to offload the computational side of that to this little CPU chip over here and or whatever kind of chip or whether it's a chip or not. But this system over here. Well, I don't even think you have to go that far. I mean, you're familiar with if this, then that, right? Sure. Sure. It's just a little internet-based system that lets you make really simple decisions based on different pieces of data that come into your life. You apply that sort of thing to all of the data that's coming in and going out of your brain for via the Neuralink, and suddenly a lot of the stupid little decisions we have to make every day are happening outside of our heads. So, I mean, but yeah, so I, but as we offload more and more of that, at what point in time do... The, does the human brain really its only function is to you know keep the lungs and heart running it, it, to serve as a bottleneck on the data well there's that too i mean there, there's a certain point we say well the slow part here is that biological function everything else is being handled elsewhere i may might just turn off the biological function today you're saying the meat becomes redundant huh 
Uh, well, I, I think that if you go down this road, that's the ultimate, the ultimate I, destination. But I, I, I can't disagree with that. I think, uh, okay, there's a whole chain of thought I could travel down here where you talk about how the brain is essentially a gestalt consciousness and we're really lots of little brains all squished together into one large brain. So if you move more and more of the processing outside of your head, at what point do does the human brain become an inconsequential part of the whole? But what you're talking about then is you've really transformed human consciousness into something else and the human part is becomes less and less relevant. It, that intelligence then that exists outside of the human brain isn't really a human intelligence at that point. It is literally a machine intelligence. Yeah, I, and we've discussed a little bit that this is this is one of the pathways that we see as, as a pathway to a machine intelligence. Uh, you know, is it possible that, you know, Musk in his decision to try to create something that saves mankind from machine intelligence actually creates the thing that he's afraid of? That sounds distinctly possible, at least from the admittedly ill-informed discussion we just had about it. Yeah, I, you know, it, it would be great to actually have one of the one of the engineers and and uh, data scientists, you know, that are working on this to actually sit down and talk to. And maybe that would be something that we could get a, a, in a future episode. But uh, to, you know, defend that stance, tell me why this is not the road to exactly what you're trying to prevent. Not that I necessarily see that that's a bad thing, but I, and I, I don't just, just to be clear here, I don't know that we can say that every engineer working on Neuralink is, is locks in lockstep with, with Musk in terms of fear of, of machine intelligence. So it could very well be that some of them are like, well, you know, this might eventually lead to that. Who knows? Don't know. What I know is I'm doing what I love. I'm, Right now, I'm addressing people with handicaps with a, a very proactive solution to their problems. Yay me. Well, and that is a very good thing. I mean, the, the fact is, it's a good point that Neuralink has the initial benefit of probably helping a lot of people. There, there are, I mean, you know, if you could, if you have a, a brain damage, if you have, uh, well, even possibly even nerve damage. I'm not certain what the interface to, you know, uh, something that, you know, can Neuralink essentially take effect or take uh, and do direct muscle control? Is Will there be something along those lines? So, I mean, okay, let's say that you've got somebody that is uh, paraplegic. Can something like this help that, help somebody I'm in that pretty, situation? I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure I've seen some technology where they basically ha there was an electronic substitute for missing nerves so they could run signals across a gap in nerves and and control you know it's a basic uh, extremity control uh, just just localized so it right. seems to me it'd be fairly straightforward to just say okay we're just going to pull that signal directly off the brain and pump it down to the muscle that's after that's in the process of atrophying or or just needs properly stimulated I I don't see any reason that wouldn't be possible. Yeah, I'm not necessarily there, certain there, if that's really the Neuralink. I mean, there are things that they're working on for that, but I'm not, you know, yeah, paraplegic, the damage isn't in the brain. The damage is in the body. 
and in spinal cord. Right, but all of the signals that aren't making it to the extremities are starting in the brain. And starting in the brain, so if you could interface with that. I suspect some signals actually originate like in the spinal column. I'm no biologist, but I understand that, that at least some signals that drive extremities don't originate from the brain. But the ones we care about really do. So then you're taking, you're tapping into the brain and, and, you know, we have ways of monitoring the brain and, and looking at what the brain is doing at particular times. And we do have, you know, we have the, have things that will read brain waves and be able to control things with brain waves and, and do various different things. I think Neuralink is kind of a, it's another interface into that. It gives us the ability initially i think gives us the ability to read what those brain signals are and translates it out into something else that we can use uh ultimately then of course is the ability to then to go the opposite direction so that that's output but neuralink and i think what it's really trying to do is to do the go the other way as well and that's the input yeah, as I understand it, they, the the goal is absolutely two-way communication with the brain, and that I, because it it doesn't do you tons of good to move your arm around if you can't actually get any sensation back from it. I mean, there are innumerable uses for the ability to transfer information in and out of the brain. Certainly, helping handicapped people is high on the list, but it's it's like the whole artificial limb runners who have artificial feet that are effectively more efficient at running than human feet. And there's an actual concern among some people that in order to maximize athletic ability, people could literally consider amputation. And I think that will honestly be something we'll have to deal with as technology progresses. I I can get that we've, we've come up with synthetic eyeballs that are more effective than human eyeballs rather than LASIK, I'll just replace the eye. Is Is that a problem? Ethical (laughs) quandary there? Yes. Uh, We might actually get, we might actually get really good VR at that point in time. I am actually reminded of as a mom's bicentennial man, which I think I brought up briefly last time we spoke and the whole premise that a a what we would consider a machine intelligence wanted so much to be human that he literally continued to replace his body parts with biological equivalents just so he could be more human i don't recall if it was another asimov story or it was a di- or if it was a different author but there was a very brief science fiction story i wrote once it was basically or read once wrote once that i read once that was basically around the concept of humans thought machine parts were better so preferred them over organic parts but they also had the problem that intelligent machines thought that biological parts were better so wanted biological replacement parts it was very it was very odd story but yeah the the question become the real question though is that when we get to the point that a mechanical part is better than admittedly slightly haphazardly designed biological part we can talk about the weird mechanics of the human eye i suppose a little bit but if if you've got a mechanical eye that's better than a biological eye is it weird to replace it 
I, I think that you yeah, will. And then, you, yeah. Go ahead. And, and, but that leads directly into the discussion of if, if the most of the work being done for me is happening outside my head already and the is squishy meat part in my head is not as good as a machine part. Does it make sense to just ditch the meat part? And then if I've done that, am I still human? Am I a machine intelligence? Am I a different thing? And I suspect that were a person in that position and they'd gone through the transition of, I am just a plain meat human being getting a Neuralink for the first time to the point where all of my mental processing is happening outside of my head with the exception of keeping my organs running, they would consider the, the, the machine person that's outside their head to be just the same person that they always were. They've just gone through changes. Yeah. And I, I think that that's ultimately where you know, we would like to see society anyway. I mean, we would like it so that the machine intelligence versus a biological intelligence isn't really seen as different in the way that it should be treated, it I guess. Should, yeah. It should remain a personal question. You get to choose for yourself. Am I different or am I the same? But as, as in terms of how society treats you, you are an intelligence. You are a conscious being. That's what counts. Yeah. That, you know, again, that's... That's kind of what we advocate for anyway. So, that, I mean, that's where we're at. Um, will Neuralink be the, the pathway to that? I don't know. I don't think anybody really knows now. It's certainly an interesting technology as we look at it and keep our eyes on it and in it, the years it, to come. And it's certainly fun to speculate about. <laughs> and that's what we're here for. So I think that pretty much wraps up our thoughts on Neuralink at the moment. Uh, th this is certainly an ongoing uh, technology and we'll be continuing to look at it but uh, I think that's what we've got for today it's always fun to talk about stuff like this and I'm sure we'll talk about more stuff like this so uh, you know join us next time and uh, we will see you later see you later